Welcome to the How We Create podcast. I'm your host, Carissa Moreno. I've realized that growing up in an artistic family gave me a support system and the encouragement to approach challenges in life without overthinking and without worrying about the outcomes. I created this podcast to remind you that you are not alone in your creativity, and I hope that it will validate and expand your artistic process and inspire you to create something new today. I will be here every other week telling you about my experiences as a creative and also having conversations with fine artists, musicians, performers, dancers, and you will learn how they create, how they experiment, and how they turn failures into opportunities for growth. I know that you are going to enjoy getting a peek inside their minds and creative lives. If you enjoy this podcast, definitely subscribe and leave a review, but also share it with a friend. My guest today is Sam Prince. He is the director of Samber Productions and their current play for Black History Month entitled Frederick. He is the host of the Creativatorium podcast, a blogger, a author, and an actor. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you, Carissa. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to have you. You're a multidisciplinary artist, but you're our first actor, director, producer. So I'm excited to get that perspective. I I really think art obviously comes in all forms and to be honest with you theater is just so if artists have a blank canvas so do theater artists we have a completely blank stage usually black and then that's when you add in your, your set design and your lighting and so you're constantly painting it, it's art it's it's performance art yeah i love that imagery of the stage as a, a blank canvas and get, that you're yeah. putting on it that's beautiful this season i've been exploring with all the guests, this idea of working from a place of darkness or things that scare you as a creative. So I wonder if you've ever worked from a place of fear or a place of darkness. Absolutely. This this Frederick play that we're doing now is really our first major production. And boy, was I living in fear and, and just worried about failure, really. Because with theater, it's if, if your play production is, is not good, that's immediate failure. You know what I mean? Like you're going to get written up that it wasn't good. And then everybody's going to say, you know, so I would have nightmares about that. And how did you work through that? To be honest with you, I think my number one thing that I did was that fear is so intense that you just don't want it to happen. You know what I mean? So you spend every waking moment that you can possibly think of making sure that doesn't happen. Like, for example, there, there was some lighting issues before we went on in August and it could have been a thing where it's like, oh my gosh, this, this play could be ruined because the lighting is such an important factor. But between me and the lighting guy, we just said, okay, we, we have to figure this out. And then it, it becomes one of those things where you just are like, okay, we cannot fail. And the show must go on. And it, it, the beauty of it is that fear, there is a beauty in fear. In fact, in, in the ways that it, it, it motivates you to do more mm-hmm. and be more. I would venture to say that most successful people, there is that that moment of fear where you say, okay, I'll go to this level, this higher level, or I don't. The failure thing is just such such a scary thing when it comes to theater and production because you don't want to fail and you want to put on this amazing performance for everyone. And it, it just teaches you to do that and to not fail and to make it amazing so that your fears are gone. 
You know, that's interesting because I've talked to other artists in this season about that kind of lights the spark and the fear of failure, like you're saying, is something that keeps you going and keeps you motivated. And I had a conversation once with him was a photographer about how not everybody, but there is something about like not being satisfied with your own work. You know, if you're a hundred percent, like this was so good, it was amazing. It kind of stunts your growth where if you're a little bit like I failed on that part or that wasn't good enough, then that keeps you motivated and, and growing as an artist. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that hundred percent because you, you should always want to do more. Like for example, we, we did this Frederick play in August and it went really well. And then we got to ask to do it again for Black History Month in February. So I'm already thinking, okay, how can I make it better? How can we make that really great production even better? And that's really what you have to do with theater because it's an unfortunate thing that you can have eight great plays in a row. But if you have one that's just kind of mediocre or maybe even lower than mediocre, that just takes your whole production and your whole branding and everything down the tubes. As you're talking, I'm just thinking about the differences between writing and painting and and these things that you can evolve. You can change it. You can tweak it. It, it's not so finite as a performance. Finite, perfect word. The thing is with theater too, if I may add, is just that the, the, the not being perfect thing, it, it's such a valid point because you're not going to, it's not going to be a hundred percent. You know what I mean? I, I, probably even the Hamilton plays and the Lion King plays, the stage managers and directors are still probably like, man, that, that was great. But it probably could have been a little better if we did this and that. So that's the mm-hmm. crazy thing about theaters. It never has to be perfect. But the number one thing is entertaining the audience and making sure that they leave saying, wow, that was pretty cool. I felt moved by that performance in some way or fashion. Yeah. How, as a director, do you motivate your team to get beyond their own fears? Wow. That is another great question. Because I had an actor who, it was his very first time acting. Never, ever been on stage before and there were a couple rehearsals i i feel like he was just maybe i don't want to use the word intimidated i felt like he felt because i have a lot of seasoned actors playing the other roles who do excellent jobs so i felt like he maybe felt like he was maybe the weakest link so there were a couple rehearsals where he was just like i, I just can't do this anymore like in the middle of rehearsal he's like i, I can't do this anymore I'm, I'm not i'm flubbing my lines up i'm messing up i just don't want to maybe we can do this tomorrow or something he says mm-hmm. it it is one of those things where as actors, that's not supposed to happen. You're not supposed to right. say that, <laughs> but you have to be understanding and know that this is his first time. And this, and he is super fearful. He's super scared, intimidated. Oh my gosh. You know, we just took a break and I took him aside and I said, listen, I totally understand, man, but you're doing great. You give him affirmations. You're doing awesome. I know there's a lot of lines and I know everybody else is doing their thing, but I said, you're doing great. And don't let the fear and the anxiety, all that stuff, take over you. And this piece is about Frederick Douglass, who was a slave back in the 1800s. And we all felt a sense that this play was important. And he he definitely, like, he wanted to do this play because Frederick Douglass and his love of him. So I just went back to that, too. We're here for a purpose and bigger than us. And he just gave him those affirmations. And he was good still. Like the first day of our, he was nervous again, fearful again. So we had to have another conversation. But that's just one example of of one actor who had some serious fears that we just had to work through. And really it was, I really do think it was the motivation behind the play that 
really made him continue to go forward. You yeah, know? I like that. Like taking it away from the ego, right? Like it's not about you. It's about this larger um, message that we're trying to share with the world. Exactly. And acting can be very individual. I mean, you can be very personal. How did he end up doing? Oh, he did so great. So great. And in fact, the seasoned actors were just like, man, you impressed us. You know, I mean, and I was just so proud of him for overcoming those fears. And, and he was so happy, too. You know, he was like, wow, that was cool. I didn't think it was going to be that cool. And I was more nervous than excited. I think it was a great experience all around. Yeah. And now the play, are you working through any anxieties doing it a second time, wanting it to be better? What's your approach as you're opening soon? I imagine in a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. February 11th is when it'll be showing. A lot of anxieties this time, primarily because the gentleman who played Frederick Douglass in August, he uh, does a lot of diversity work and inclusion work. So February is obviously one of his busiest months, so he, he won't be able to do it. So I'm going to step in a role, which <laughs> I'm very nervous about and very fearful about. I even got an assistant director to help me because I just knew that it's really tough to direct and play the major role effectively. I'm always amazed at like the Clint Eastwoods and the other directors who act in their movies. I'm like, that, that's tough. I'm sure they're <laughs> surrounded by quite a team. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. He's got like three or four assistant directors and seven assistant assistant directors. Right. Exactly. You need that support. Yeah. So I, I'm definitely going to need that support as well on a much smaller scale. But um, yeah, I'm very nervous about that. Lots of lines. And then, like I said, I want to, I want to make it even better somehow impress even more folks. Yeah. Have you been directing for a while? And are you going back into acting after being out of it for a while? I'm just curious. I have been out of it for a while. COVID took a big hit of that. Yeah, gotcha. right. Big time. So last year, the beginning of 2021 is when I decided to just really focus on my passion, which is acting in theater and performing. My day job was something completely different. So I just cut that in half and decided to pursue all the passions. But before that, and before COVID, I was always constantly doing something, you know, either if it was a commercial or a play or something locally I was involved in. It was always something. It was never, that's the thing about acting, probably very similar to artistry. You can never get away from it if it's your passion. It's just, you, 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 maybe you'll go three or four months without doing anything. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I got to do something. But the long-winded answer to your question is this play and the other things I'm doing, like children's book and the Creative Victorian podcast for acting. And I even actually have another podcast I'm just starting for men and divorce because that's another big passion of mine. And it's it follows a blog that I've been writing. So the long-winded answer is that really this year is when I've really dived in and hope to continue to just keep doing creative things. It sounds like you're doing a lot to to put yourself out there and, and your voice out there. Yeah. And that's why I'm so happy you had me on here because it, it's all art. You know, Definitely. it's all art. Writing, even this play, you know, I wrote a lot of it. It's based off of an original play by A.C. Cargill, but he allowed me to include some things in between his scenes. So it's all art. It's all writing. It's all creative. So tell me a little bit about the writing. You just published a children's book. What was the inspiration for that? Yeah. Well, inspiration is actually my daughter, who is like 21 now. That's how long, see, that's how long this passion has been going on. Because when she was like four, like three or four is when she coined this phrase, actually for real mm -hmm. is the name of the book. And when she was three, 
she had this, that was her thing. Like we would ask her, Hey, do you want to go outside and play? And she's like, this is like when she's three or four. Yeah. Actually, I'd rather play with my dolls. For real. Everything was actually for real. I, I, <laughs> I'm feeling that deep. I don't know why. Like, I, I actually want to start saying that for real. <laughs> I know. It was the coolest thing. We just thought it was the funniest thing back then. So right around then is when I started writing the book and then flashed to 16 years later through finding illustrators and thinking about using publishers and agents and then just finally decided to do it self-publishing. It was a big, long journey, but it was a lot of fun. And I'm just glad to have it out for the world and finally just, you know, have completed one of those projects. Was there a time during that process that was scary to you? I mean, that's something so many people dream of doing and then, and they don't do it. So I wonder how you made that happen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because writing, I enjoy and love, but illustrating and drawing, I am terrible at, absolutely terrible. So the, the fear of finding a new illustrator and actually went through three or four of them, you know, that I didn't like and, and didn't prefer, you know, so Is that, a dog? that was a tough. Yes, <laughs> of course. During the podcast, she decides to find our beanbag. And jump all over it. It's just like, she's got something to say. Of course, of all times. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know if you want to keep that in in it or not, but it's pretty funny. I'm (laughs) sorry. I got totally distracted. My apologies. Yes. The fear of the illustrators and finding the right one. That was, and and, and the fear of not being able to be talented in the drawing. I even tried. I was like, oh, my gosh. Don't do that, Sam. I'm speaking from my own experience. I tried. I was like, oh, I could probably illustrate something really, you know, do really simple drawings. No, it was simple. It's almost even harder. It just didn't work. Absolutely. Yeah. How did you decide on an illustrator? What was that process like? Boy, that was a toughie because like there was a couple at first that I just didn't like their style. And then there was one who's a good friend of mine who's an exceptional artist. And I really wanted him. He was just so busy. He does a lot of murals on uh, buildings here in in Western Michigan and even Chicago. So he's just a very busy, talented guy. And so just getting his time was tough. And I really wanted him. But again, the the popular ones are, are busy. I ran into a friend of mine who is actually going to one of the design schools here in Michigan. And it was just weird. I, we were just talking and I didn't even know that he was like, originally he was uh, in mortgages and he just decided to go to school and do that. And I'm like, what? He showed me some of his work and I was like, wow, this is great. And next thing you know, he's the new artist and uh, and his name's Alex and, and he did a great job. Sometimes those fears, they just magically work out. Just a crazy thing. Because I was, when I when I had my, my original guy that I really wanted and it wasn't working out, I was so like, oh my gosh, it's just never going to work out. It's been so many years. And then all of a sudden, boom, out of nowhere, the solution appears. It's just crazy how that happens sometimes. Yeah, definitely. In talking about the illustrator, you made me think back to earlier in our conversation when you said that you've you've left your day job. Is that correct? Yeah. Is that something that was motivated by... The pandemic and reevaluating. Absolutely. Yes. And uh, to be clear, which I probably wasn't before, I, I didn't completely quit my job. I just cut it down about 50% so that I had more time to pursue everything else. But um, absolutely. The pandemic 
when 2020 was obviously just terrible and theaters were shut down. A lot of them went out of business. It was a scare that maybe we would never see performing arts again. You know, everything would be virtual or online, or maybe we could, but it'd be very limited seating. It was all, it was all scary. In 2021, right in the beginning, I said, performing has to figure out how to continue. You know what I mean? It's one of those things similar to art. You know, we have to have it in our lives. It's Maybe it's not for everyone, but it's an outlet of entertainment. And it's another way that, that we can move people and affect people. And so, yeah, I just said, somehow we got to figure it out. And even, even in, remember in the beginning of last year, things were still not great. There was still no theater in the beginning of 2021, but I was like, and I, I had booked a theater in August, hoping that things would get better in that time. And fortunately they did, you know, but it's still, people still were wearing masks in the audience and we still had to make sure we were social distancing and all that stuff. Fortunately, I think we're getting closer to it normal. Maybe, sort of, I don't know. Yeah. My instinct is to ask, was that scary to reduce your day job and all the things that are associated with that, like reduce a reduction in income, security, blah, blah, blah. But I'm feeling that personally, again, I can only speak for myself, but that it's it's actually not scary after going through the pandemic and really making a decision that you're going to follow through on your passions. I feel like that's almost the opposite. Of, Man, well said. So true. Like it's, yeah. it's empowering as opposed to being scary. Oh my goodness. Yes, for sure. For sure. And I, I didn't really get, I didn't really get that until after people came to see the play in August and were really impressed. And really, honestly, it was my wife too, because you know, she, she's obviously very supportive and she has a great job. She, she was a motivator to say, you know what, you need to do that. I'll, I'll take care of us. We'll be all right. You do that and we'll just make it happen. So I was grateful for that. So then in August, when she came to see it, she was like, oh my gosh, like now I see why you are so passionate about theater. And she's like, that was really great. And dozens and dozens of other people said the same thing. So it validates what you just said, it validates that, that leap of faith that you take through the pandemic, through the questions, the, the vaccinations and masks and all those questions that come up. But you said, you know what, screw all that. We're going to do this anyway. As scareful and as fearful and as worried as I'm going to be, it's going to do all that. I really do believe, and I, I am living proof of that is that if you, whatever you feel passionate about, whatever that is, I don't care if it's tool and die, if it's whatever it is, if you pour yourself into that because you're so passionate about it, that you won't fail. And, and you know, it, it, it doesn't always have to be financially, but it just seems like there's something about putting all your energy, the law of attraction, all that stuff into what you're passionate. You got to be passionate about it though. You know, it can't just be like, eh, you know, you have to be seriously passionate about it. And then if you pour yourself into that, all those fears, and like you just said, the positivity will result. Yeah, I love that. I feel I feel like that's like a great way to end the episode with that. Is there anything else you'd like to add to tell the listeners? I appreciate you having me on here, Carissa. I'm shocked that I'm the first actor and you're living out there. And 
it's so bizarre. And I'll have to tell you, because this has been interesting for me, the few actors that I've reached out to have felt that what they're doing is not creative. I think they're they're feeling like it's a little more commercial. And they said hmm. that they didn't feel like it was creative enough, which made me kind of sad because I feel like acting, you know, you really have, you're tapping into so many different things and pulling from so many different places that to me, that is an act of creativity. Yeah. And I see their point. If they're just doing commercial and mm-hmm. real corporate type things where they got to compete and I can, I can see how that can be a grind, but man, my advice to them would just find that outlet to be creative, you know, yeah. go back to theater, go back to creating your own stuff. Don't get in that, that lull of, of terribleness. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Absolutely. Well, Sam, where can people find you? Where can they look up your play? Where can they find your book? Our website is Samber, S-A-M-B-E-R dot productions. They can find everything there. Those in LA probably can't see the play in Michigan, but we are thinking about streaming it. Check the website for that. But the tickets are on Eventbrite for that. And then the children's book is on Amazon, actually for real. Just search that. But yeah, I appreciate, so appreciate you having me on, Krissa. Thank you for being here. And I, I wish you the best with being in the lead role in your play coming up. Yeah, thank you so much. Before we get started on today's Creativity Boost, I just wanted to remind you of my affiliate partnership with Daniela, who is the comedy writer and comedy teacher. She has a five-day comedy feature film premise creation challenge that starts today. And um, if you can't make it today, I'm sure you can hop on tomorrow. It's pay what you want. And there is an affiliate link in the notes. And then she is offering two upcoming writing programs, a TV pilot writing program, and the feature film writing program, and she does have a discount for BIPOC creators, so check that out in the film notes. All right, here are today's creativity boosts. Number one, you will experience fear when you decide to do more or be more because it's unknown to you. Once you understand that, you can move past the fear. Number two, When you're feeling like something is too hard, remember back to a time when you overcame a fear. It doesn't necessarily have to be a creative fear, but a time when you thought you couldn't do something, but then you did it anyway. And remember that feeling you had when you were done, that feeling of accomplishment and wondering why you were afraid in the first place and the praise from people who witnessed you doing that accomplishment. Remember that feeling and know that you can get there again. Number three, if it's your passion, It's never going to leave you, so why not give it some attention? Number four, you can't be talented in everything, but letting someone else take part in your creative process can be scary. So think of it like freeing yourself from control uh, or it being a collaboration that that other person is going to add to your process in a way that you never would have thought of. Number five, I just want to take a second to recognize the guy who was in mortgages, who was a talented artist and went back to school. Number six, if you feel like you aren't being creative, then do something creative. Make a creative opportunity today, no matter how small, it'll feel good. And number seven, when a dog snorts in your podcast recording, keep it in. Remember that you can support this podcast by making a contribution at buymeacoffee.com backslash how we create. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at the how we create podcast. That's the T H E how we create podcast.